With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live from Washington, D.C., this is Backroom Politics with moderator Justin Russell. Hello out there in Radio Land. It is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics live or live-ish. It's live to us here at Studio A in Podcast Village in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., your nation's capital. Joining me in studio for this broadcast is the former Undersecretary of Commerce for International Trade. He is the one that we know as the Honorable Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hello, Justin. And across the table from me is the retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy, the one we know as Admiral Ken Carradine. Hello, Admiral. Hi, Justin. And we are going in-depth on the latest coming out of Washington uh, let's start with Andrew George McCabe. In case you don't know who Andrew George McCabe is, uh, Andrew George McCabe is a twenty-some-year veteran of the Federal Bureau of Information, uh, Federal Bureau of Investigation. Uh, from May 9th to August seventh, twenty seventeen, he was the acting director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation after President Trump fired former director James Comey. Uh, He served as deputy director, the number two guy at the Bureau from 2016 to 2018. Uh, He is widely respected, lifelong Republican, and now, as of this week, author of a book that is not too flattering to politics in Washington under a Trump administration. Uh, over the weekend, uh, over the weekend of uh, the uh, the the Valentine's Day weekend here in Washington, everybody was glued to their TVs on a certain Sunday because uh, on a 60 Minutes interview recently, uh, Andrew McCabe gave an interview to 60 Minutes, which to say that it was uh, stunning. To say it was informative, eye-opening, uh, concerning, all understatements. Um, it it is it has sent the White House, it has sent President Trump into a Twitter tirade that has been going on nonstop now for I would say the better part of about forty-eight hours. Uh, it is. Uh, got a lot of people talking here inside the Beltway as to what could possibly happen and what is going on. And people, everybody, you've got former congressman and former uh, congressional oversight chairman Jason Chaffetz saying that Andrew McCabe should be prosecuted for his 60 Minutes interview. You've got Megan McCain asking him directly, uh, was he the source for the, was he the author of the New York Times op-ed? Uh, it has got everybody a buzz, but let's start with the biggie, which was a revelation during this interview that uh, 
McCabe in a meeting with uh, Deputy uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Uh, it came out earlier, and it was played off by the Department of Justice press folks as kind of uh, being kind of joking, but. It came out again in the interview that was Rod Rosenstein actually joking or not about wearing a wire into the White House and possibly invoking the 25th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. And we'll go into that in a little bit here. But uh, really throwing all kinds of new light or gas on a fire that's already been ignited regarding Rod Rosenstein. Now, for the record... Uh, as of this broadcast, it has been announced that Rod Rosenstein will, in fact, be leaving the Department of Justice in three weeks' time, which there are some calling it coincidental. There are some saying it may be as a result of this interview that that uh, Andy McCabe gave uh, to 60 Minutes and the book being released, all kinds of different things. But let, let's talk about the interview itself. Uh, Alan, you saw the interview. Um it, to me, number one, does does McCabe come across as credible to you? He does come across as credible. He also comes across as incredibly angry. Um, he has reason to be angry. The president summarily uh, well, hold, before fired you go down him. that. Before you go down that, why yep. do you find him credible? Because <laughs> he's he's articulate. He's thoughtful. He he has information that makes sense. Um, so I have no reason to to question or doubt what 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 he was saying. Um, he was a he was 21 years at the FBI. He had advanced to the to the second most important position. I I don't I, I that's why I find him that's why I find and, him credible. Let me, let me throw this out there. I'm not sure what your question is. No, no. Let me throw this out there because you know just to cover both sides is there are detractors of McCabe that are saying that he was fired. Because of the fact that he lied to his own FBI investigators, uh, the detractors also say that the inspector general's report that came out where he lied about leaking information to uh, the New York Times regarding the Clinton investigation, uh, that comes into play. All that being considered, does Andrew McCabe still be can Andrew McCabe still be credible to you, Alan? <laughs> How many times do I need to say yes? Um, does that mean that I that that he's not in a self-serving position? Hell no. He he was treated shabbily by this president. He was trashed by the president. His wife was trashed by the president. He talked about that a little bit in 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 the interview. It was kind of weird and bizarre. How does it feel for your wife to be a loser? Right. Um, and uh, all kinds of bizarre little little nuggets. Um, with regard to the thing that bothered me about about the the interview most of all, there were two things. One, the the way he talked about Rosenstein because Rosenstein cannot defend himself yet. He's got to he's got to wait till he's done. He hadn't, by the way, mentioned months ago that he expected to leave the department when a new attorney general was confirmed. We've got a confirmation. Rosenstein will leave. This I don't think anybody can make a credible case that this was a re- result of, of McCabe's stuff. 
But what McCabe said was two things. One, that Rosenstein at one point in a meeting when they were talking about how challenging this president was and, and how he was all over the lot and they weren't sure what kind of connections really existed with the Russians, Rosenstein pointed out, you know, I could go in with a wire. They never checked me or anything. He, it's not that he was, and he had the he had the power to authorize that if he wanted to. He didn't do it. He talked about it, and this and it and we knew about this before. This was reported many many months ago, and now it's like this new thing. Uh, and 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 then there was all this talk about the Twenty Fifth Amendment. You know something? When those guys talked about the Twenty Fifth Amendment early in twenty eighteen. Um, uh, I'm sorry, early in 2017, so did everybody else. We did on this show. Other people talked about it. There were newspaper stories about what it was, how it worked. And you know what? The deputy attorney general has no power at all, zero, none, to to, to make anything happen vis-a-vis the 25th Amendment. The vice president and a majority of members of the cabinet have to publicly say the president is not well, capable of serving. They have, to sign, they have to sign a document. They have to actually put their signature the, yes. in paper. So the notion that, that, that Rosenstein had some unique special power to move that forward is a complete nonsense. But wait, is that and, what he was saying? Because I, I, took, I, took, I took it a little bit differently. I think that Rosenstein was saying, look, Look, I can draw up the document, but it's going to take members of the cabinet to sign off on this to invoke the 25th Amendment. I never Amendment. heard any reference to him saying I could sign up the document. This I was a conversation. You you may be making that up, but, no, no, no. but I didn't see that. I didn't no, see that. No, what? No, I didn't, I didn't get the impression that he was saying that Rod Rosenstein had the power to invoke the 25th Amendment. I didn't read it that the fact, way. All I got was these guys had a conversation about Which it. Which they can do. Fine. We've had a conversation about it. My point. Everybody was talking about the 25th Amendment at that point. And, to, to, and, and we had heard that these conversations, we had heard months ago, over a year ago, that these conversations had occurred. And now McCabe is verifying what we had heard before, that... That Rosenstein had had talked about the Twenty Fifth Amendment and how it worked, along with everybody else, and probably a lot of cabinet members, which Rosenstein was not one of at the time. And so, it, it the fact that that McCabe was sort of talking about that about a guy who's still serving who can't defend himself that bugged me. It just I just thought, what what's the point here? Um, and and I did have a problem with uh, with that part of what McCabe said. I'll just I just noticed uh, that this afternoon that now that the book is apparently out, <laughs> McCabe has also trashed former Attorney General Loretta Lynch. Yeah, yeah. So and, let, yeah, let, let but, that be known too. For, you're going to say something, Admiral Ken? Yeah. So uh, you know, li- living in the extremely red county that I live in. Uh, down in Boca del uh, Vista, um, I, I understand the 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 anxiety that that I think Trump supporters have with regard to people like Rod Rosenstein and Andy McCabe talking about the in, invocation of the Twenty Fifth Amendment. So consider that here are two high level um, people uh, who are running the Justice Department and the FBI. 
um, making comments um, about the possible removal of a newly elected and duly elected president of the United States. It's just not appropriate. It's, it's, as, it's as inappropriate as talking about something untoward physically happening to the president by anybody. It, so I, that, so all, I'm saying is, all I'm saying is I think that if you, if you take a step let, back— Let me just ask you a question, just to clarify. Sure. Is do you think what Andrew McCabe has said, both publicly or maybe in his book— is that treasonous, or is that indicative of a coup? Uh, uh, no, I think it's I think it's inappropriate. I think it's 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 uh, it's very very uh, apolitical for someone at uh, at that level in in Washington D.C. Um, and I think it's 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 not very responsible discussions to be had in a public setting or even in an office setting. Again, re- you don't think that you don't hold think on, that. Hold on, let me let me finish my answer to the right. question. Okay, so. Us sitting around this table or other media uh, events or organizations sitting around a table talking about the possible removal of the president via 25th Amendment is one thing. But high-level government officials talking about it and the word getting out that they talked about it, I think, makes people uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable. But you, you don't you don't want to know the fact that that discussion has been I didn't, had. I, I didn't say that. I did not say that, that I didn't want to know. All I'm saying is that the fact that it happened, that that conversation took place by senior government officials, is troubling. It's very troubling, and I think it's inappropriate. Alan, you agree? No, I don't. I don't agree no? with that. I, I what I what I think is that. <laughs> that I would be surprised if there were, if if most of the senior members of the cabinet had not gotten themselves briefed on how the Twenty Fifth Amendment works. Tillerson would have done it. Mattis Mattis would we're have saying done it. Two different Priebus things. would here. have done it. These guys would have said, "What the heck is going on?" I don't know that we're saying two different things. I think we are. Well, you we don't That's your know. Yeah, we no. don't know. So it it doesn't bother me that these guys might. Try to understand how that worked and what was going on That's and how not it what worked. was happening. What, what, what was, oh, well, right, tell on, us what, what was, was happening, Ken. You seem to yeah. know what was happening. I'm only going by what McCabe said no, in the no, interview. But that's what I'm saying. Is tell us what your your impression. My of impression. What my impression of what McCabe saying in an interview is that is that while 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 uh, Rob Rosenstein may have presented it as is is uh, nonsensical, non serious musings. He took it as a serious discussion about the possibility of them aiding and creating an environment to where the 25th Amendment could be executed by the vice president or members of the cabinet. That's how I but, understand. All right, let me ask this question. Let me ask this question. I don't see any yeah. basis for that. All right, but hold on. All right, I'm if, just saying if what he said. If that's your understanding, let I me ask you. I watched the interview. I did too. Right, hold on. Okay. Let, me, let me ask this question. If, if that is your impression, what bothers you? about the fact that senior-level people in the Department of Justice were talking about or getting clarification as the head lawyers of the federal government to get a discussion going about if this were to happen. I'm not, I, I, don't get the impre- I don't get the impression that they were saying that this was an active possibility. I think the discussion was that, hey— this might be a good discussion point here at DOJ because the way I heard it or the way I interpreted it is there may be others in the administration that are having these same discussions and getting clarification, kind of like what Alan was saying. So I think I think that obvious— Why so, would that bother you? Well, so so in the context in which you just described it, that does not bother me. 
But in the context, as as I understood the uh, the the uh, the course of the interview, that does because because I'm sorry, what I took away from that apparently is different than what you and you and Alan took away from it. And I, and again, I positioned this 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 point. And there are others Hold that on. see your point. Uh, by and the way. I positioned this point from the perspective of those who are adamant supporters of the president. I can see why they would. I can see why the president, and I can see why they would be upset by this. If you if you turn on Fox News over the past forty eight hours, and I do. They are using they are using the c word a lot. Of course they are. They're saying of that, this, they are. They were, that this was a coup attempt. Uh, again, it of, was a silent uh, or a soft uh, coup. Hence, hence my comment. Hence and, my comment. They, they, you hence, know. Hence my comment. So senior government officials, senior government officials, um, directors, flag officers, generals have this responsibility. Um, to, to basically couch what they're saying and to choose their words very carefully in public and in private. I'm sorry. And so for the, and all you've done, all, the, all they've done is given the, the Fox News people and the, the, that, that aforementioned 35 um, percent room to, to, to churn and, and suck the feet you, on. You didn't like the King Mutiny, did you? I loved it. <laughs> it was great. It was fantastic. And, and you know what? And you know what? I'm glad you brought that up because if you think about it, if you think about it, that's a great metaphor for this situation. Well, well, it, it, it's huge. <laughs> it's awesome. It's fantastic for that. And, and for those of you who haven't watched it, it it's, no, it's no, a great read, read the book. Hun- uh, the read the book. Read yeah, the book. Her- Herman Wilk wrote the book called The King Mutiny. Go, go read that, but we won't go down that rabbit hole right now. Uh, Alan, Alan Moore, you, you know, again, going back to this idea that people are talking about including. People like Jason Chaffetz and every talking head on Fox News are talking about the fact that this was the beginning of a soft or silent coup. Do you agree with that assessment, no. or is this no, just I, I do more fear mongering? It's fear mongering. Absolutely, it, 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 it's is it? it, it, yeah. it no, it feeds paranoia, and it's and as Ken act very accurately says, but it's I not think, paranoia it, if they're actually coming to get you. No, no I'm saying, <laughs> but but it, it, if if you think that that there's a deep state or, or some group of people that are trying to undo the results of an election, and here's more evidence of that, it 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 feeds that narrative. But we're Eventually, going to see a bunch of other books. I hope from the likes of <laughs> Rod Rosenstein no, in three no. weeks. No, I'm thinking more like Rex Tillerson, uh, Jim Mattis, um, H.R. McMaster, where they will talk about conversations they had with each other about the 25th Amendment. Which, 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 if if Tillerson and Mattis ever had wait, a conversation, wait, first of all, it wouldn't be a in a group. Wait a minute. If it, that comes it, out in a book, if that comes out, if, if Tillerson. Mattis, McMaster, I'm not, or so, anybody else talks about this, talk about a 25th Amendment, d- does that feed into, oh my God, this was a coup? It all feeds into it If for those who want to, to think that way. All I'm saying is anybody who had a friend, and I don't know how close Tillerson and Mattis actually were, they had big jobs and they weren't together all that much, um, but but if the two of them, let's go back to the two. Once you get three people in a room, then it then it looks more like a conspiracy. But if it's two guys saying, so what's this what's this twenty fifth amendment thing? Who else? You know, I mean, Tillerson calls the guy a moron, and we know that Mattis Mattis was probably more careful with his words, but but 
clearly had his own major concerns and problems. They talk about it. It doesn't mean that they then start organizing and say, okay, you talk to these three and I'll talk to those three. It's trying to understand and reflect and say, what would it take to get us to that point. And remember, remember the context of this. Okay, so the, the, this, this, the information about this discussion is coming in after the, the, the FBI in the last year and a half has been simply pilloried. I, and, and, you know, and, and I've, got, I've got people who, are, who, who have been you know, loyal, uh, patriotic, you know, fellow members of the armed service that are looking at the FBI you know, like, they're, you know, like they're the second coming of the devil. And they're not. They're, they're, you know, by and large, you know, 99.9% of every, every FBI agent is, it takes the same oath of office that you and I have taken, Justin, and are doing a really, really tough, hard job that most people would shy away from. Wait. And now you're basically taking this, and it's like, oh, yeah, here we go again. And that's why the Fox News knuckleheads are having the field day that they're having. Of course they're going to have that. Well, when you got, when you got people like Ron Bonjean, you know, talking about this. Uh, that doesn't help the situation. Jason Chaffetz, play, who that, couldn't Jason get into Chaffetz. the FBI. I mean, I mean, <laughs> no, couldn't get into the Secret Service. Yeah, okay. couldn't, that was then. That, we don't want to go down. We don't talk about Fight Club. <laughs> the, um, but but here's the thing is, uh, Andrew McCabe this morning with Savannah Guffrey on, on Today's Show. Didn't see that. Says to Savannah Guffrey, and, and the clip's out there. You can go, you can go find it. Uh, basically told Savannah Guthrie that he testified in front of the Gang of Eight and said, "Look, we're starting in. We're starting an open investigation on Donald Trump." And both and both Republicans and Democrats didn't push back from that. Regarding, go ahead, Alan. You, you re- regarding the possibility of collusion with the Russians, right? It was and all. They, it was all about the Russians. It was what drove Flynn out. The lies. There were all these connections. There was all this intelligence that suggested that the Russians had gotten involved, had been involved, and then there. And then the president's own behavior raised questions about whether he might have known, and he or people very close to him might have known and been part of some kind of collusive activity. But when you're, the, and that's why you, you start head, investigating, right? But when you are the head. Although acting, you are the acting director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, which is the primary investigative service for counterterrorism here in the United States, and you present evidence of intrusion into the into the rightful election uh, here in the United States, and you have the proof to show the president, and the president says, I don't care, I believe Putin, that is a huge problem, which would tell me, A, he doesn't believe his own intelligence services or doesn't want to believe them. Two, loves Trump more than he loves Andrew McCabe, his own advisor. Uh, Loves Putin rather than uh, McCabe, his own advisor. And three, calls into question, could this president, you know, at that time... Could this president have been compromised? Absolutely. That and and he, and that's why and, nobody pushed back in the Gang of Eight. And he fired Comey. Right. And oh no, no, that's right. He fired, he fired the acting, Comey, or the actual director of the FBI. And that's when McCabe became the acting. And then very shortly after that, he goes and trashes Comey. He has a he meets the day after he fired Comey with the Russian ambassador and and Russian foreign minister, and jokes about what a scumbag. Uh, 
uh, Comey was. He and doesn't. The, and how the pressure's off now that he's gotten rid of him. He doesn't. He doesn't debrief. There, there. My recollection is in that particular conversation, he didn't even. He he was using a Russian translator. Didn't he have, a, have an American in the room? He was doing all these things that look suspicious and. And McCabe or anybody else who was acting director would have would have been would have gu- done the gu- same thing. Would have been guilty of dereliction of duty had they not opened an investigation. Now McCabe is dislocating his shoulder, trying to pat himself on the back for for getting this started in a way that they wouldn't be able to stop. Fine, but I think that that was inevitable given everything on its face. It was all out there for 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 everyone to see, and then he goes. The president goes and talks to NBC and says, "Yeah, the Russian I'm, deal yeah. that was that was part of why I got rid of him. Wanted to clear that up, and every and 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 it was known, of course, that he had tried to get to get Comey to back off of Flynn of and and Comey had appropriately shared that inside. There were all these little pieces." That said, go take a deeper look. You, That's what they did. The president slowly but began this, but to this, figure but that this, out. And went but here's crazy. the thing: is the, at no point. I mean, let's get this knocked out of the way. Is there any indication, Admiral Ken, that what Andrew McCabe did during his tenure as acting director of the of the FBI? Or as deputy director, or as anybody actively involved in the Clinton administration, uh, inve- or the Clinton email investigation, or the current investigation under Trump, is there any indication that Andrew McCabe did anything that would be treasonous or would constitute a coup? No. Okay. Fair enough. Alan, you agree? Oh, totally, okay. totally. He 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 was clearly angry. He got fired. It should be. He got he McCabe got fired twenty six hours before he would have been eligible for a, a pension, which, with was, which was re- which was retribution. Rights. Petty, that was, that, oh, petty garbage. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 was the subject of an inspector general report that 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 found that he did in fact say uh, a lie to the inspector general. That's serious stuff. Right. That was idiotic. We're gonna, and we're going to talk about this when we come back. We're going to talk about this. Uh, we're going to continue our in-depth conversation on Andrew McCabe, the president, and the intelligence services here in the United States. This is Backroom Politics, the best political talk show you never heard of from Podcast Village. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. And now we're reacquainted And all the stars seem fresh painted And here's what I long to say to you Hello, heartstring Where have you been? If you could only read my mind What a tale you'd find If I could, I would be bound Thank you. 
Studio A at Podcast Village here in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C. for the best political talk show you've never heard of. Joining me in studio, Admiral Ken Carradine, the Honorable Alan Moore. We've got uh, Rob, the engineer behind the glass, keeping us uh, keeping us accurate, keeping us safe. Uh, we're going to continue in-depth talk about the Andrew McCabe situation, the situation with the Intel services, and the relationship with the White House. Let's let's finish up on this Andrew McCabe thing. Uh, when we when we came right before we went to break, we were talking about the revelation this morning that Andrew McCabe told Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show that uh, in fact he had briefed the what we know as the Gang of Eight here in Washington, which are your eight top, uh, your four top Republican, your four top Democrats uh, about the opening of an investigation regarding the inappropriate relationships with the Russians, Donald Trump, and those in his cabinet. And at that point, according to Andrew McCabe, none of the Gang of Eight pushed back on it. Uh, To me, Admiral Ken, between what I've heard from McCabe on the 60 Minutes interview what we've heard from McCabe this morning and other reports that we've heard, the the lack of, I, I, I don't know if it's the lack of trust between the Oval Office and the intelligence communities, or is it just, I don't, you know, I don't want to see it, I don't want to hear it, and therefore if I don't see it, I don't hear it, it's not true. What is the problem with the relationship between the president and the intelligence communities? Um, um, I'm, 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 I'm struggling for words that, 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 that are not too disrespectful. And, and, the, and let me just connect the dots here for a second while you're thinking about that. The, the reason why I bring it up is... Why? Yeah, exactly. The reason why I bring this up is the FBI is, in fact has a seat and part of what we would consider the intelligence community, yes. which includes the Central Intelligence Agency, yes. Defense Intelligence Agency, NSA, and the National NSC. Security Agency, yep. and others. 
uh, which includes, in this case, the FBI and the Department of Justice. But that being the case, what I go back to my original question. What is the problem with the relationship between the Oval Office and the intelligence community right now? So thank you for that break. Uh, I think the problem is that the president of the United States is trying to run the country the same way he ran his business. And whatever his view of reality is, is the real view of reality that everyone around him should should have share and and uh, uh, and promulgate. I think that is basically the issue. I think that um, based on not just what uh, and Andy McCabe said during his interview, but what we have seen uh, as evidence toward his uh, attitude toward Dan Coats, uh, his attitude uh, toward um, Rex Tillerson. Uh, and a whole host of others who who have now uh, are watching this administration on TV the same way that we are. Uh, I think it goes to show that the president has his view of how things should be. And if you have a differing um, opinion or view, your place is not in this administration. Now, now Alan Moore, that's we, as nice as yeah, I can put it. Yeah, Alan Moore, we we saw the five top uh, intelligence heads uh, testify on the Hill about two weeks ago. And was completely rebuffed by the president. Uh, the people I've talked to inside the White House have said that it, he was literally lit on fire based on the responses that the heads of the different intelligence community uh, agencies gave to that committee during the hearing. And that I've also heard that the president is so dissatisfied with Dan Coates, Dan Coates' job is not secure. Does that trouble you? Well, <laughs> I think I think Coates is gone, um, and it's amazing he has sort of stayed around as long as he had. We we get tired of talking about all of these loyal Americans who decide they just better uh, <laughs> better swallow their knowledge and their pride and do this for the for the good of the country. You know, it kept Mattis around a long time, and 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 uh, McMaster. And, and, it's and, the same. And, and Kelly, arguably right. longer than he. You know, and, and the worst job he ever had um, hanging around. Um, but I think Ken was 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 right on target here about why this president does this. He is used to being surrounded by yes men and women, and if you don't agree with him, he will find a way to move you out, to complain about you, to talk about his other friends. What do you think about this person or that person? He really doesn't want to hear a contrary voice. Now, if he had a basis of experience, knowledge, history, government, economics, where you felt that he's a really smart guy on this stuff? I mean, Bill Clinton, for all of his flaws, he was a genius in terms of of public policy. He'd been a student of it since high school, for gosh sakes. He really knew a lot. Now, he didn't rely on just one or two people, but he had a basis of knowledge that he could build on. This president had no such basis. This president didn't know that Abraham Lincoln was a Republican and thought he should share that with the country when he discovered it because he thought maybe they didn't <laughs> maybe know Americans also. didn't know and that. Maybe a, a, a surprising number of them don't. But but this this person gets a thought in his mind. But George, but George W. Bush, hold on. George W. Bush did not come 
to this job when he was elected the 43rd president with a huge background in intelligence other than the fact that his father was former director of central intelligence. Don't even bring up the name of any other president to have this conversation because it's so far removed from the reality and ignorance of Donald Trump. These guys were all geniuses, students or who understood what they didn't know and 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 had people around them who knew things and who they would listen to and then draw their own judgments. This president has a intelligence briefing about once every two weeks. And He's having one on Thursday, And by notoriously the way. doesn't really listen all that much. He has got this weird gut instinct. And if he has one or two people around him who in, reinforce that view— on trade, he's got this whack job named Peter Navarro, who tends to agree with the president that tariffs are a good idea. Nobody else around him, so far as I can tell, think that, that the tariffs are a good idea. But he's got he's got Navarro, and then he's just ready to roll. People will will will, will push things aside and sit on things. So when he he he's got this view of of intelligence, but and I think there was one thing in history that influenced him, and that is how. The intelligence agencies made huge mistakes in going into Iraq. And and you see him talk about that all the time when somebody will say, well, why don't you trust? Well, they didn't. They, they, they messed up on Iraq. And that was one of the biggest mistakes in American history. You, you, know what, you know what's funny? I just want to jump on that because here's the funny thing is he will make fun and discount his own intelligence community for the intelligence breakdowns that happened going into Iraq back in 2003. But what he doesn't admit is that part of the actual intelligence, the actionable intelligence that our government used came from the Israeli intelligence service, the Mossad, who were active participants in this. He'll, he, he will speak greatness of the Mossad, but not even consider talking about the greatness of our intelligence community, only to bring up the fact that we missed the boat on September 11, 2001, and we missed the boat in 2003 invading Iraq. We constantly apply norms of how government historically has worked, how government should work. But that's all we work, know, How Alan. the policy process that's should work. That's all we know. That's right. And he has doesn't a, know any of that. He, he knows <laughs> none of it. And he's the president. And, and he has got, as a 71, whatever old he is now, narcissist who's somehow been able to successfully navigate the world of the weird, strange real estate in New York and, and, and so on. Um, he looks around and says, I'm so much smarter than all these other people. And I'm president. So it worked to not have to learn, to not have to listen, trust your gut. But this is a guy who said, I know more than generals about Afghanistan and ISIS. And we know it's not true. We know it's not true. But we do. Well, does he know it? We don't know if he knows it. Here is where I have a concern. For decades, for generations— since there has been an intelligence community in this country, as we know it modern day, there has been a presidential daily briefing that has been given to each president by the intelligence community on threats against the United States. Until now, 
There is no presidential daily briefing as we know it. And when the intelligence community, when, for those who don't know, without getting into all kinds of super squirrel, secret squirrel stuff, the presidential daily briefing is a daily report that is brought at the beginning of the president's day by the Central Intelligence Agency from Langley over to the White House. That briefing is giving and gives a threat assessment against on a daily basis. This does not occur under this president. The briefings that they give him have lots of pictures and lots of graphics, not text, not intelligence data, but pictures and graphics. They've started calling it the coloring book. That disturbs me. That disturbs me. That the fact that we don't get a presidential daily briefing the way we have to, we have to give him pictures. That's sad. But... Again, this is a guy who thinks he knows more than his own intelligence community. And unless he's got his own intelligence service, I don't know how he does. Admiral Ken. So before we move off of Andy McCabe, um, I, I want to say one thing. What's that? Um, I, I, he, he, he's, got a, he's got a certain level of respect for me. And, and, and this is. And by the way, this all ties into Andy McCabe and the and, intelligence and, and, community. And, and, this and, is all the same and thing. And this is, this, is, this, is, this is the point I'm making. My 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 spouse, and I know Alan uh, feels the same way about his, uh, is is my world. And sitting across the table from someone ridiculing my spouse and being able to walk away from it without leaving the room in handcuffs, that takes a special kind of person. And um, and Andy McCabe, in that regard, is a special kind of person. He he was just waiting for his chance, and now it's all oh, yeah. coming out. Oh yeah. Um, um, yeah, the way that the president treated him and his wife—it's just deplorable. It's just disgusting, and 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 for to think that a president would do that—oh my lord! It's just it, it it's just one of the many mind bogglers. I, I would invite everybody to go read, and I don't know who has. Go read the op-ed in the Washington Post on April second of last year, written by Jill McCabe, talking about setting the story straight regarding um, regarding the, um, the idea that she was wholly funded by the Clinton Foundation or Doesn't by the matter. Clintons. Doesn't matter. Uh, that she uh, somehow colluded with her husband on the investigation with Trump and everything. It, it is... Go read it. I'm not even going to try and paraphrase it. It's worth the read. But I also agree with the fact that, you know, I've never known, even presidents that I don't always support. Like, I was never the hugest support, biggest supporter of Bill Clinton or Barack Obama, but never in a million years would I ever expect the president in the Oval Office to look at your acting director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation and call your wife a loser. That to me is just stunning, stunning. Which, I, 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 I mean, yeah, yeah. I think I think it actually was on the phone, but it doesn't it doesn't matter. It's the same whole idea. Yeah. You know, I wanted to say one thing more about the president watching his his uh, his five intelligence chiefs uh, <laughs> dispute him and how angry he got. It it is one more of the many reminders that this president does not understand 
what the role of senior government officials is, which is to speak truth when appearing uh, in public, uh, particularly to the Congress. And whether they enjoy (laughs) contradicting the the nonsense that the president uh, so often spouts or whether they're just sort of swallowing hard but doing their duty, that's what they do. They're just saying, here's what we see. Here are the facts that we have seen separately and collectively, and this is what we conclude. And the president sees them as being disloyal. He measures so much in terms of loyalty. It doesn't matter if I'm wrong. I'm your boss. You have to support me. Coming back to to Ken's earlier comment, he tries to run this the way he ran his real estate business, where people around him maybe would say, well, there's this or there's that, or I disagree. Do you consider John Bolton a yes man? I think they all have a little pact with the devil. I don't think of him as a yes man, but he's obviously figured out what what battles to pick. We all have done this at same different times. Same thing with Mike Pompeo, in, same thing in, with Mike Pence. Jobs. I mean, I can't imagine that there's anybody there who has unbridled loyalty and support and respect for this president. However, he is the president. They they have figured out how to have some influence on him and have decided that they would rather stay where they are and have question. that influence. When it comes to Middle East policy, when it comes to international affairs, who has more of the president's ear? Is it the son-in-law or the secretary of state? Or, or the national security advisor? It's, it's, either one of those three. No, no, it's all, it's, it's, it's all of them. And the thing but who that, does that, he listen to? He listens to all of them, but he he mostly listens to who comes in last, and usually that's his son-in-law. But that doesn't mean that that Pompeo, Bolton haven't had some conversations and figuring out. We have a president that is literally figuring foreign and national security policy off of last-minute discussions with his son-in-law, well, we, who is uh, one step away from having legal problems of his own. We, we, we can guess that. We don't know for sure how this works. There, I mean, I, I go read the go read the uh, uh, the Woodward book because it talks about how some of this stuff has worked over time, where. The president will have different voices. He gets impatient. He walks out of the room. He cuts things off. The, there's a problem with, with Ivanka and with Jared, who, who can come in around the side, can go over to the residence. Uh, and, and, and he famously kind of listens mostly to the, to the last voice in. That's what he why we pulled out of Syria, apparently. Erdogan says, you guys have won. You can get out. It was like, yes. That's what I've been saying. That's what Steve Bannon used to say to me. Let's go. Let's get out of here. And then all hell breaks loose. And he thinks, oh, darn. Right. Um, uh, but I'm the president, and they need to be loyal to me and get behind me. Um, Is, well, we, we've got a couple of minutes, and, and I know I w- wanted to, you wanted to talk uh, real quickly about the 2020 election. But last question regarding all of this uh, is— is what we're hearing out of Andrew McCabe an alarm clock for American electorate, 
or just more political rhetoric? Alan Moore. <laughs> it's more of the same troubling information about this president and how he functions. Admiral Ken. I think I agree. Um, I think I agree. I, I think that uh, if you're not uh, alarmed yet, um, then you're not going to be. All right. Fair enough. In case you didn't hear about it, uh, the 2020 Democratic slate seeking the nomination from the Democratic Party is getting bigger and bigger, uh, along with the first eight that have gotten in, which includes uh, Senator uh, Kamala Harris of California, Senator Cory Booker of uh, of New Jersey, uh, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg, uh, who's thrown his hat in. You name them all off uh, all night long. I, I, uh, true. <laughs> uh, latest additions include uh, one Bernie Sanders, the independent senator from Vermont, who is now running as a Democrat. Uh, slate now is up to 14 confirmed, I believe. Uh, Alan Moore, are, are are the Democrats really pulling a playbook from the 2016 Republican slate? Because it looks identical. It looks it, like they could actually pull, pull out a loss at a sure victory. Well, it's interesting because it, it, remember the last time on the Republican side, there was there was no logical heir apparent. And so it was wide open. And, and that's how and, and there was a real opportunity, even though it, it seemed like a long shot that they would uh, that it seemed like they would be running against Hillary Clinton. And that would be a, a, a tough battle. Um, and and the one thing around which there was agreement early on was that Donald Trump would not be the candidate. Um and and now we've got the, this this free for all among the Democrats, six of whom are in the Senate. Which you know, as being this old Senate guy, it's just delicious. They're all buddy buddy. They're great friends. And before long, they're going to be sticking in the needle, learning how to do that from Bernie Sanders and the way this, he did it to Hillary Clinton um la- last time around uh they they have every possibility of screwing this up. Right, go ahead Admiral Khan. So in shows past you've heard me, you know, throw out uh advice to uh Trump supporters and and you've also heard me admonish Dan when he tried to tell me how to be a better Republican. So right. uh remembering that hey Democrats, you guys are supposed to be evolving smart people. Watch what happened to the Republicans last time. If you yeah. really want Donald Trump to win again, straight out of the playbook. Do it, baby. Do straight it. out of the playbook. Here's the question is because ironically, the guy who I think might be this underdog sleeper that nobody's, you know, it could be the Democratic's Donald Trump, but he actually has a brain is this mayor out of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg. I mean, the guy. I mean, would you ever have expected that the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, would ever declare as a presidential candidate for the Democratic ticket? Well, at least he's and have a possibility of it. At least he's got a job, unlike Beto O'Rourke and the former uh, representative from Maryland who's thrown in his uh, oh John Delaney his hat. Um, and and uh, it, it's it's a bizarre uh, run. We're waiting on Joe Biden. Uh, I think Bernie, Sanders, I think Bernie Sanders and, and Beto, I think Bernie Sanders' time came and went. I, 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 it'll just flabbergast me if, if his ideas, a number of which have been 
uh, embraced by some of the current candidates of high minimum wage, free college, Medicare for all. It's it, yeah. and, and now he's yeah. a guy who will be 79. And for the first um, time we're hearing time. we're hearing terms so, like democratic socialist. Well, but Which you get people like, like you get people really like, you get people like Kamala Harris and um, Cory um, Booker. Uh, and, uh, no, 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 she ran away from that as well as um, uh, the lady from the Midwest, uh, Amy, Klobuchar. Oh, Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar. Yeah. I mean, they're running away from that big well, time. Amy Klobuchar yeah. is literally pulling the centrist move, oh, it's, which it's, out of everybody might be the smart move. It is the smart except move. nobody likes her. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> not, most of all, it, most of all, her, her staff, own state. Yeah. No, her staff. Oh, her staff, staff yeah. loves her. The state loves her. But all this stuff about staff. Yeah, for those oh, yeah, of us yeah. who've been, been we, we don't want to talk. We don't, we'll talk like, about that in another oh, show. Man, that's a we'll mess. talk about that when we go in depth on that, which we'll do next week. Um, but the, the bottom line is, do uh, do you expect between now and when we talk about this in depth uh, next week, does Pedro O'Rourke get jump in? Is now the right time, or does he hold out, Alan Moore? The time is at hand, whether it's next week, the week after. But you know, same thing with Biden. By, by, they have to be in by the end of March, um, and because there's too much action, that's it, there's too many staff people who are being snapped up. Uh, donors, they're all going to look for this broad-based donor thing. Everybody thinks they're all going to do the one dollar donor. Well, deal. everybody thinks that Beto is going to pull in all this money again, or that Bernie is, but I don't think there's any guarantee the way, of that did, or not. Did you see the numbers on Bernie today? Within within three hours of announcing, he's already raised a million bucks. Three hours. He's going to need a lot more than a million yeah, bucks in, the, I, I, in a well, few hours. Hey, look, if no. he can raise a no. million bucks in three hours. Picture, I can put a picture of you on the internet and get a million bucks, Justin. Uh, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. Trust me. I can tell you. All right. No, you cannot. That is categorically not true. Because if that were true, I wouldn't be doing this. We could test it. Uh, no, we, no, we can't. We're good with that. Uh, with that being said, I cannot believe that. I, I cannot believe that. Really, dude? Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Thank, oh, wow. You know what? Are you, wait, wait, come on, Mike here, Rob the Engineer. Are you are you playing me off stage? Well, I can help you guys out with some corners of the internet if you want. No, no we're good. Really we're good. Reality. <laughs> no comment. No comment. Rob the Engineer behind the glass. Thank you as always. Our producer Audrey Arrington. Thank you as always, madam. Uh, on behalf of Admiral Ken Carradine and uh, Alan Moore, I am your host and moderator, Justin Russell. We will be back with the best political talk show you've never heard of here at Podcast Village in Studio A in Upper Georgetown, Washington, D.C., your nation's capital. You can follow us on Twitter at Backroom Politic, where you can hear this live broadcast every Tuesday. You can download all of our shows, including this one, from our website, backroompolitics.org, or on any podcasting service you use, whether it's iTunes, Google Podcasts. Hey, we're on Spotify, too. Go figure. We're going big time, kids. Uh, we will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the best political talk show you've never heard of. Have a great week, America.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.